This one's going to require a little courage. We're going to be talking about touch and setting boundaries. Hi, I'm Shantae, and this is Parenting Special Needs Live. And we're going to be talking about the subject of touch and asking if you've set rules or created healthy boundaries for your loved ones with special needs. And we're asking this because it's such an important topic. According to the World Health Organization, our children with mental or intellectual impairments are the most vulnerable. They are four times more likely to be sexually assaulted or at risk of sexual violence than non-disabled peers. Today, Molly Dellinger Ray is back with us to discuss part two of how we can help our loved ones establish healthy relationships and boundaries for touch. Please welcome Molly. Hi everyone, it's Shantae. Thank you so much again for um, helping us share this information. Um, I'm Molly Dellinger-Ray, and I work at the Partnership for People with Disabilities at Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, it's a university center for excellence in developmental disabilities. And together with the VCU School of Social Work, we, we collaborated a team of people to develop a training for people with intellectual disabilities and developmental disabilities called LEAP, which stands for Leadership for Empowerment and Abuse Prevention. And I'd love to share information about LEAP if people want to know. Um, but I've learned a lot from talking to adults with disabilities about how to help foster some healthy relationships. And so one of the things we're going to talk about today is helping people set boundaries for healthy touch. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. So what would you say, what is the first step for parents or caregivers to start helping um, well, well, first, before I even go to that, I want to thank any family member who is still who is still watching this, uh, because this is a topic that takes courage to address. Um, and so, family members, you're brave. Put a star on your lapel, yeah. um, because this is a topic that does require courage to to be able to address. And it's important to know that sexual assault of people with disabilities does occur. It occurs at extraordinarily high rates, um, but it's something that we can prevent and, um, and, and address. And so that's what I want to talk about today. So Shantae, you asked what are, um, what are some of the things that we can do, you know, starting this afternoon, starting this evening, what are some things that we can do? One of the first things is start asking everybody in your family for permission before you touch them. Um, and this is going to seem weird, uh, especially if you're a huggy family, if you're a touchy family. Um, it's not something we're used to doing. Um, it's not something our kids are used to us modeling. Uh, but it is so important at helping people establish boundaries. Um, and so if it feels weird, that's okay. Um, and I think you can say to your family member, your loved one, this feels weird, but we need to practice this. And here's why we need to practice it. Because it's really important that we work on establishing healthy boundaries for touch. And your body belongs to you. And you get to decide who touches you. So you can make it into a game. Um, if you have young children, I know with my young kids, um, you know, in the bathtub, like, is it okay to wash your neck? you know, and they might say no. And if they say no, you have to respect that and then say like, okay, come on, your neck is really dirty. <laughs> um, so you can make it into a game. 
Um, you can empower your child to correct you to say like, you forgot to ask. That's okay. Yeah. Um, you can model it with other family members. Um, and Shantae, I don't know if you've experienced this with Kaylee, um, but oftentimes when people meet someone with a disability, they're not respectful of their boundaries. Hmm. Um, they often move in too close or oftentimes the first time you meet someone, uh, they may hug you. Right. Um, and there are people who have hugging in their culture and I would never ever wanna take that away from them. From them. Um, that's part of who they are and they hug someone the first time that they meet them and I am not throwing any shade on that. Uh, but I do feel like, you know, asking permission and respecting the answer is the best, one of the best places to start. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I, um, when, before COVID, uh, I used to do that as well, ask for permission because you realize that some, and, and sometimes, you know, I think because of Kaylee having younger people with autism or, diff, you know, sensory issues, I ask them, but I realize it's older people too. Not everybody likes to be touched. So you really, cause I'm a hugger. So, you know, forgive me and I touch, but especially before COVID and we were in church and I started asking like, Hey, is it okay if I give you a hug? You know, because some people it, you know, they have anxiety issues and it, they don't care for it. So. Or some people that we know are touch sensitive, you know, have tactile um, sensitivity and they really don't want to be touched. Right. Um, and so this sort of gives them an out without them having to establish that boundary by themselves. Um, another really important strategy that we can start doing right away is talking about our body parts with the correct names. Okay. And that is another thing that every family has a different culture and has different rules surrounding this. Um, but what I always say, and this is a struggle for a lot of people, um, particularly based upon their family's culture and values, is that we are very comfortable saying, you know, hair, eyebrows, elbows, knees, feet, penis, vagina, anus, vulva, uh, calf, thigh. <laughs> yeah, we we <laughs> don't say some of those, do we? I mean, uh um, because if someone does experience sexual assault and they go to disclose that to someone by using your family's term for this person touched my hoochie, this person touched my whatever, mm -hmm. that is, that is not necessarily going to relay the correct thing that's happened. Right. And the other thing reason that I think that it's important is that we, we want people, when we talk about respecting our bodies, I want people to know that there is not a part of their body that is dirty or secret or bad. Um, that every part of their body is, is equal and that you might not want to talk about your vagina during dinner, <laughs> but if there's a problem, you're going to want to share that with somebody. Um, and so maybe not at dinner, oh, maybe not at dinner. Oh, um, and maybe, you know, but I think that, you know, what we, what I usually say is, you know, talking about private parts sometimes happens in private places. Um, and that depends on your family's values, but I think we dispel, dispelling the myth of, first of all, we, we were so surprised at how many adults with disabilities had never been told the correct names for body parts. 
um, and did not know. Um, and so being able to share like, this is a penis, this is a vagina, men have a penis, women have a vagina. Um, and you know, then you get into transgender, but you know, some people have penises and some people have vaginas and that's okay. And that's, that's okay to say that. And so one of the things that I have all of my trainers do at a training is say, just say the word out loud three times, you know, like you can do it, like count to three and say it. Um, <laughs> because, um, it's okay. You know, your face isn't going to fall off. And I think oftentimes we have inadvertently set a message to people that this is something that's really bad, that you really don't want to talk about that, that that's really, really taboo. And that is not going to do us any favors when it comes to someone who is revealing a sexual assault. And in fact, um, one thing that someone pointed out to me that was one of those aha moments is that our silence and our discomfort with addressing things like the names of our body parts and things that may be uncomfortable, that silence is a, a tool in the toolbox of all the perpetrators of sexual assault. Um, that is something that they count on to be able to get away with what they're doing and it works. Right. And so if for no other reason um, than to think about I want my child, I want my loved one, I want this person who's important to me to feel like it's okay if they need to come to me and say someone touched their penis or someone put their fingers in their vagina or something else. Um, that's super, super important. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I'm being the parent now. So, but I mean, and I feel this is very important and I can't say that I have been, um, you know, have done my part as far as like teaching her the proper words for things. Um, so I think this is an important lesson for everyone. But the reason that it really resonates with me is I think just like what you're saying is we're not always with them and they need to know how to, they need to know the names so that they can like protect themselves. It's a form of putting tools in there, you know, so they can advocate for themselves if they don't know the right names and it's not, you know, to be hidden, you know, but I, I don't think I myself have ever really kind of gone over everything with her. You know, I just well, haven't, you know, it's never too late. And well, that's why I figured, thank goodness we're, and I will say it, it will feel weird. <laughs> um, it will feel weird. Um, but you can make it fun. Um, and you can say, you know, one of the things we've never talked about is, you know, that you have a vagina <laughs> uh, and so maybe that women, or that women have vaginas. Yeah. Cause maybe the other thing that worries me is then perseveration. Right. You know, so that kind of like, once you teach them, you can't unteach them. And then so like everything that we do though, you can stack the deck in your favor by saying, this is something that we talk about in a private place when it's just okay. the us. So it's okay to perseverate on this, but just perseverate on it with me. <laughs> okay. No, I, I need, you know, I need those tips because I think that's, I mean, that's kind of one of the fears is I don't want her to have to like, you know, keep over and over again that I have to keep addressing it or. Right. And also from my, my PBS experience, I'd say, this is something we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about it with just you and me. And you can ask me about it 10 times. And after 10 times <laughs> we're done. Okay. And you can use popsicle sticks to say like, okay, that's one. 
you got nine left. Yes. <laughs> um, so you can strategize this a little bit. Yeah, no, I think I will have to. Okay, so great. So can you elaborate on um, bathing suit rule and... You now learned the bathing suit rule. Um, and the bathing suit rule for people who aren't familiar with it is that no one should touch a part of your body that your bathing suit covers up. And that's a pretty good rule, um, generally speaking. However, um, when you think about sexual assault, which is part of what, what healthy touch is trying to prevent, is there are lots of ways that people can touch other parts of your body, like your face, and your mouth um, that don't have to do with the bathing suit rule. Um, and the other thing that we think about is, is telling someone to protect their body, but we never talk about what happens if someone exposes their body to our loved one. Um, how does that feel? Um, the bathing suit rule doesn't really apply to that either. Right. Um, that that person has exposed themselves um, or ask them to do something on, on their private body part. Um, and that doesn't really fit into any of the bathing suit rules. Um, so the bathing suit rule is a good, is a good rule for starters. It just doesn't encompass everything. Um, the other thing about the bathing suit rule, and this is a hard thing to talk about, um, is that when we think about the things that we were taught about safety, what are some of the things you might've been taught about safety? Don't get in a car with someone. Right. Don't talk to strangers. Don't accept anything from strangers. Yeah, don't. Anything from a stranger. Um, and so we, we have instilled in our children and our young adults, mm -hmm. um, all of these don't, don't walk by yourself at night. Mm -hmm. Don't. Um, don't, don't, don't. Um, and what we have inadvertently done when we think about sexual assault by providing those don't, that long laundry list of don'ts mm -hmm. is that when we are walking by ourselves at night and absolutely doing nothing that deserves any harm, or when we are wearing a low cut dress or, um, giving someone directions in a car who stopped and said, I'm lost. Um, we are violating those rules. And if something happens, the first thing someone thinks is, oh my gosh, my mom's going to kill me. I, I talked to someone in a car. I, you know, someone told me they lost their puppy and I helped them look for it. And, and then I was sexually assaulted and it's all my fault. It's my fault because I was out walking a night at lawn. It's my fault because I violated one of those rules that I've always been taught. Mm -hmm. um, but sadly, what we know is that sexual perpetrators, even though I wish this weren't true, they're really smart and they think of ways to trick and coerce people into doing things that they don't want to do and feeling like they are responsible for it. And well, so that's something that we can protect our kids from by saying, you know, if anything ever happens that makes you uncomfortable, I want you to know you can always tell me. Um, and if it's not your parent, I mean, not everyone has that relationship with a parent. Right. It can be another well-meaning adult. Um, 
we had a, a lovely other adult in our lives who was sometimes a babysitter and you know a, a friend who was like a friendly aunt. Mm -hmm. And she said to my kids, both of them, she said, I want you to know, if you ever want me to come and pick you up from somewhere, if you ever want to talk to me about anything and not have me tell your parents, like I'm here, like I can be that person for you. Right. Um, and I do feel like having one identified trusted adult is something that's going to be helpful for our kids in the long run with someone who they really feel like they can talk about anything with. Right. And uh, I just want to back up to one little thing because I want to point out something I've learned previously, but I think you would want to highlight it as well, is perpetrators sometimes are not strangers. Sometimes there's someone you know and love. So, I mean, that's a that's a big thing. That was a hard, I mean, that's, we don't always want to, you know, acknowledge that, but when I've done different um, talks on this or when we've done different interviews, that's something that has come out too. Sometimes it's more likely it's someone that they do know. So it's not like the stranger in the car. It could be somebody in the family. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Shantae, um, because what we know about sexual assault is most of the time it does occur from someone who is familiar with the with the child or with the young adult. Um, and oftentimes it's really a betrayal to the whole family um, because this is a person who is so trusted uh, by everyone right. um, that it is a betrayal to the whole family. And this is how perpetrators of sexual abuse work. Um, and it is gut-wrenching. I mean, and as I said in the beginning, you know, if you're still, if you're still listening, yes. got to polish your badge, polish your bravery badge, uh, because uh, this is stuff that's really hard to address. Um, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation about it. Well, and I am glad we are too. And I'm glad you're willing to get on and talk because I think it is important. You know, it's so important. I, I know that it's a difficult conversation. And like I said, I have not necessarily even done everything with my daughter, but I think it's important to start the conversation and start having parents because we don't want our children to be the most vulnerable. Um, you know, we want to help them. And uh, if there's things that we can do, I'm sure that everyone would agree. Like, we want to start doing them. Absolutely. So on that rule. So what, what are the rules of healthy touch? Are there rules for healthy touch? Right. Well, we teach some rules for healthy touch when we do our leadership, our leap training. Mm -hmm. And the first rule of healthy touch is you get to decide who touches you. You're in charge of your body and you get to decide who touches you and who doesn't. So that is the first rule. Um, people will always talk about doctors. Doctors get to touch you, but doctors always wear gloves. Okay. A doctor is always going to wear a glove when he or she touches you. Mm. So that's an important thing to remember. Right. Um, so you get to decide who touches you. And usually, and you'll have to start noticing this when you visit a doctor, usually a doctor says, I'm going to look in your ear now. I'm going to listen to your chest now. I'm going to, you know, the doctor sort of says what they're doing as they do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's also really helpful for people. Um, and right. that's a really nice prompt for people who don't like surprises. Um, so that's the first rule is that you get to decide who touches you. And the second rule is you can change your mind <laughs> about who touches you and when they touch you. Um, and I always use the analogy, Shantae, if I loaned you $5 today, does that mean you expect me to loan you $5 tomorrow? 
um, you good. can change your mind. Yeah. You know, because you permitted this touch, this sexual encounter, this whatever on Monday, it doesn't mean the person has carte blanche to, to do that touch again for the rest of your life or their life or your relationship. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think that's great. Right, so you can change your mind. Um, the other thing might be hard for parents to think about, <laughs> um, especially if their kids are young, is that intimate touching, private touching, sexual touching is okay, but everybody has to agree to it, okay? And it has to take place in a private place. Okay, so if you want to have a sexual touch and your partner wants to have a sexual touch, that's okay, but you, you can't be like on the school bus, you, you know, you can't be wherever. And sometimes people say, well, at what age should someone begin to have a boyfriend and experience that? Like, I don't go there. Every family and every culture is different and I, I can't establish rules for that. Um, but the important thing is, is that you know, oftentimes people with disabilities get in trouble because they have sexually assaulted someone without realizing it. Right. Um, and so starting with that, you know, back to that, like asking permission to touch is so important. Right. And I, I think what you just said too is true too, is sometimes as parents too, we're trying, we're in the protective mode. Um, so we pr try to protect our child. We haven't necessarily taught some of the things that that they need to know um, out in the real world, you know? So, well, okay, so here's a question that comes up. I've, I've seen it come up on Facebook before too. So what happens if you have a child that does not communicate um, or is a nonverbal child? Like what, how do you help them? Because I've, I've seen when we've posted different things before, people have written in on Facebook saying, but you know, how do I help my child? What do I teach them? I mean, I, how do I teach them? How do I know if something's happened? Right. And my response to that is, and I have, as a former special educator, I taught a lot of kids who didn't communicate with words, um, but they did communicate. Um, and a parent is an expert on their child um, or a family member, not necessarily a parent, but you are an expert on your child. And if something is off, if there's something that seems familiar or different, if there's a change in sudden change in behavior, um, oftentimes a lot, there are a lot of signs of people who have experienced sexual assault in terms of not wanting to get dressed, undressed or dressed, not wanting to bathe. Um, all of these kinds of, if you're seeing a lot of these behaviors, it's possible that that has happened. Um, and it might be a good idea to see a doctor if you if you think that might have happened. Um, generally, if things are going along as they always have, and you have no signs that that has occurred, um, it probably hasn't occurred. Um, but if something seems different or something seems off, and there's a way that you can communicate with your child or that your child lets you know, or displays, you know, fear or anxiety surrounding a certain person, then that's something we should pay attention to. Right. And it's still the same thing applies to them. Teach them about healthy touch, right? I mean, even if they have to use the augmentative device, whatever, you just te start teaching them about um, touch and body parts so they know as well. So Right, right. So, they, so they're familiar with that respect of their body. Um, one of the other things that we really struggled with 
um, when we were teaching adults with disabilities is we'd say, you know, the first rule of healthy touch is you get to decide who touches you. And a lot of people looked at us like, are you crazy? Like nobody respects these rules. Like no one of the staff who, who work with me know that they should ask me permission before they touch me. Mm. So then they're in the uncomfortable position of having to say like, I need to tell people that they need to ask my permission before they touch me. And that can be a hard thing. Yeah, that's hard too for them to have to speak up. I mean, they have to advocate for themselves, but in such, did you have any success with that? Did you have any results where people actually did that? And you know, we practiced. You practice. Well, and I think that's practice. it. It's modeling, right? And practicing the different things so they know practice how to do it. it. And we also said, um, everybody has a different way to say no, um, to say, I don't want this. And my family is very unconfrontational and not very direct. And so if you were to ask me something that I wanted to say no, I'd say, hmm, you know, let me think about that and get back to you. Or, you know, I'm just not feeling that today. I just don't think I could do that today. Um, so I would not come out with a hard, no. absolutely not, no. Um, it's just my culture. It's how I was raised. Um, and so everyone has their way to say no. So helping your child figure out what's the right way for them to say no. Right. Um, what feels right to them? Mm -hmm. um, and having them practice that out a little bit and see how that feels. Yeah. And I think that is so huge is practicing and, and giving them the words because sometimes like I know with my own daughter, she doesn't have the words. She doesn't, mm -hmm. something's bothering her, but she, you know, so when she tries to explain it to me and I'm, I'm using this as an example because someone was in her space and she didn't quite like it, but she didn't know, she wasn't saying that, but that's what she meant. So finally, when I finally got to the heart of it, she, someone was in her space and she didn't like it. And so I said, well, then you have to tell them you have, you know, this is my space. I need my space. I said, you're perfectly okay to let them know that you have your little space that you don't want them in because, you know, they're, they're too close. So I think it's giving them the words and letting them understand what, you know, that it's okay to say those things in a respectful way, you know? Absolutely perfect. That was an actually absolutely perfect way to tell her, like, tell that person you need to get out of my space. Yeah, you have your own. So anyways, what about if you have relatives or um, a grandma or, or an uncle or somebody that comes that's very huggy and touchy and they don't quite understand um, that you've given your child permission to uh, say that it's, you know, that people should ask first. Like, how do you address family members? Right. So th there are two routes that you can go on this one. Um, but one of the things I want to say before we go there is that oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this myself, um, you give someone a gift and the care provider, parent, well-meaning adult says, give Shantae a hug, mm -hmm. okay? So what we're doing when we do that, even though it seems very natural to all of us, what are we doing? We're saying hugs equal exchange for tangible items or favors. Um, and as the recipient of the hug that someone has been ordered to give you, how does that feel? Hmm. You know, no one wants to receive a hug from someone who's basically been <laughs> been charged with having to go do that. Ordered to go give a, char go give a hug, okay. It's not very sincere. It's not a very sincere right. um, interaction. 
um, even though we want it because we love our family members and we love our kids mm -hmm. and we just want this so much. Um, and so as far as, you know, huggy relationships, again, this is one of those things like prior to the interaction happening saying, you know, Aunt Matilda is coming and she loves to hug people. Right. Um, and she's going to really want to hug and kiss you when you get here. Um, are you okay with that? Or yeah. should we have a conversation with her? Or say, you know, I hate you. I know you hate being hugged and kissed, uh, but I love Aunt Matilda. And if you would just let her give you a hug when you got here, here you know, you can decide, but, you know, she would, she would be hurt otherwise. Or you can do the flip-flop and say, hey, Aunt Matilda, we're really working on setting boundaries for healthy relationships and healthy touch. And we're doing this new thing. And if it's not, if it doesn't feel too weird, you know, before before you give Kaylee a hug, like would you ask her? Um, because the, this will be a good way to kind of test it out. Right. No. Um, you know, so kind of two routes that you can go on. No, that's great. And I think um, with the article, right, that we're going to link that we're going to share. Um, there is an article in the May June issue, which is uh, about um, setting boundaries for healthy relationships, right? Or touch. And um, there's also links that you've provided in there about different, um, for different downloads and things like that, that people can get. Right. There's um, a couple of training courses that we have established in recognizing and responding um, to abuse when it happens. Um, one of the reasons I like prevention is that you won't need to recognize or respond to it if it never happens. Right. Um, and, and that is my true love of, of wanting to prevent um, abuse from happening. So um, that's available online. Um, and there also is a link to something on um, age-appropriate sexual behavior, which is sometimes helpful for people to know about what is appropriate at specific ages. No, um, I'm excited about um, downloading that too. Okay, so thank you so much. Is there, what, are you coming back? Will there be a part three? There is a part three and I'm really excited about it. And part three is about empowering our kids for resilience. Wow. Well, Molly, I can't thank you enough. I think this is such an important topic. And I know that, you know, we do have to be courageous and brave, but um, it does come down to us teaching our kids so that they have the tools to be able to advocate for themselves in this situation with healthy touch so they can come out of that um, being the most vulnerable. We want them to not be the most vulnerable anymore. Really? And you don't have to go away and use every strategy, but just try out one. You right. know, I, I feel like we can do that. We can do that one thing. We can do that one thing. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you so much, Shante. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for being with us today on Parenting Special Needs Live. And in case no one has told you today, you are doing a great job. Be good to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.